Dear God, we come to you now and we just ask that you just speak directly to us, dear Lord. The message that you have prepared for us allows us to hear it and then go out and live it. In Christ's name, amen. We're doing our journey to Calvary. We've been walking through some events that um, proceed and lead up to the crucifixion and to the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ. And we're building up to Easter. And we want, want you to go ahead and start praying about Easter, start inviting people. I want to have a big, uh, big celebration for the risen Savior on Easter. All right. So um, we've kind of walked through the upper room and then we're going to do the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper today. And um, strangely enough, we'd been in the book of John and he does not include that in the upper room. He includes it more at the beginning of the of his book in an earlier chapter. So we're going to be out of Matthew this morning. And this is where Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. And I need to, I need to uh, do a little background knowledge on you real quick here, real quickly. And to understand that this is a Jewish assembly. These are, these are Jews. Okay. And um, the, um, the Passover meal, of course, is the celebration of the Passover when Jewish people were enslaved in Egypt, and then they, they killed the, the lamb and then put the blood up on the threshold. And when the death angel saw that, it passed over. And so that's the, all the imagery there is the proclamation that there is a coming, coming Savior who will save us from death and, um, so, and break the bonds of slavery, of sin. So um, that is what they're celebrating here. All right, and then when he has his disciples here, just remember all the stuff that has happened here. They were coming in, and as they were coming in, they were discussing and arguing who was the greatest, who was the best. And then while they're there, we have the display of humility and service as Jesus Christ washes his disciples' feet. All right, and then we have the, um, the identification of the betrayer. We have the um, where he offers him the you know, the, to be the man of the hour, the sop, but he takes it for a different reason. He goes about what he's about to do. So there's all this stuff going on. There's the seating arrangements, um, you know, the, the higher level, the longer you've been with Jesus, the closer you get to set to him. So, I mean, there's just a lot going on here. And um, then they have the Judas leaves. There's a lot of whispering going on. Um, there are some of these discussions that we are told aren't heard all around the table. Okay, so there's just, there's just a lot of anxiety probably at this point, and Jesus has tried to quell it by telling him how much he loves them. And then we have the institution of the Lord's Supper, okay? And I just want you to kind of think about that these are Jews who are celebrating Passover. Okay, they're, selling, they're celebrating the days of old when God brought them out of slavery, delivered them out of bondage of slavery. But not only did that, but he also allowed them to escape from the enemy. He conquered the enemy, but he is also leading them to the promised land. So there's all this going on in this meal. And it says, as they were eating, we're in Matthew, um, Matthew 26, it says, now when they were eating, uh, Jesus took bread, blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for 
many for the remission of sins. Okay, so you can almost see the perplexion on their faces as he starts talking about blood, because Jews don't drink blood, all right? In fact, that's one of the lifeblood cannot still be in something when they eat it. So there's like this perplexion going on about what, what is he talking about, and what is he saying in, you know, this is, a, this is an odd kind of way to deliver it, but the thing that really stands out is that, yes, he is talking about he is headed towards Calvary, and he is presenting his body as the payment of our ransom that we cannot pay. The sin debt that we owe, we cannot pay. And he is here to do that. That is his purpose to be here. He came to earth to die for sinners. Did he, did he preach the best sermons? Absolutely. Did he heal? Absolutely. He did all these things. But his main purpose was to head to the cross. And this is where he's headed. And there's nothing that will, stay, that will be in his way. Nothing will Nothing will hold him back from this. So this is what um, he's talking about, is that this is the cup. This is uh, the new covenant, for my blood is in it, and there is going to be the, the um, forgiving of sins. And the thing that I want you to understand is that this is reflective to what the Jewish nation did way back in Exodus when they were becoming a nation. It says, in Moses took the blood... He sprinkled it on the people, and he said, This is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you according to all these words. Okay, so we have blood in the first covenant. And then, guess what they did? It says, Then Moses went up, also Aaron, Nedab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel, and they were under his feet as it were a paved work of sapphire stone, and it was like the very heavens in its clarity. But on the nobles of the children of Israel, he did not lay his hand. So they saw God and they ate and drank. So they sealed that first covenant with a meal. And so now here we are where Jesus Christ is instituting the Lord's Supper. And it is the prediction, it is the predictive display, the prophecy becoming true that Jesus Christ is going to the cross. He is offering his body to be broken for each and every one of us. He is offering his blood to be the payment of sin. And he seals this covenant with a meal. Okay? So, very consistent here. But look what happens here. And this is kind of, this is a powerful verse right here. There's so much going on here. And it says, this is uh, Paul writing out of 1 Corinthians, the letter of the 1 Corinthians, talking about the Lord's Supper and how to properly institute it, how to properly do it. And he's talking about the underlying message here. And it says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. All right? And what is going on here is that we have the past which is being celebrated because of the Passover meal is a celebration of what happened with the Jews where God brought them out of Egypt, okay? And then we have the present where we are taking communion with Jesus Christ. And then we also have the future to where he comes back and takes us. So what he is doing is he is instituting perfect unity, all right? Now... When we read about 
the Eucharist, when we read about the Lord's Supper, when we do the Lord's Supper here, we are doing it to honor and to celebrate the sacrifice of Jesus Christ at Calvary, that he offered his body, the perfect sacrifice, the greatest act of love ever shown. He offered his body and he spilt his blood. And that blood that was spilt pays for our sins, pays for our eternal life. And that is all made possible because of what Jesus Christ does on Calvary. But we also have to understand that this needs to be viewed not through a Western 2022 eyeball, but also through a Jewish eyeball. All right? And here's what I'm saying, is that when these families got together, and it might be 100, 200, 500 years after the original Passover, they were saying that we are coming together because this is the night that the Lord will pass over and will provide us protection from the death angel. This is the night. And you may say, you mean the night several hundred years ago when they did it? Yes, but this is also the night because they are commemorating what happened in the past and they are doing it in the present. All right. And then what Jesus Christ is doing is that he is doing it in a way that commemorates the future in the new covenant of what the better things to come, uh, redemption, um, atonement, the total forgiveness of sin, and the defeat over death and over the grave. All right? So for, for some of us, we look and we only see the present. But what Jesus Christ is is that he is a unifier, the complete unifier. And we know that sin is what separates us from God. And the only thing that can fill that void and provide that, that, that unity that we need to bring us back in place with God is Jesus Christ. And he is the only one who can provide the payment and can also provide the unity. So he is the perfect unifier. And what we talk about is in the future, when we, when we read about what's going to happen in Revelation, is that we see old heaven and old earth burn up and then we see a new heaven and earth come together and we see them come together and called new jerusalem because it is perfect unity and when we talk about the last several months about there needs to be unity in the church that's because that is who jesus christ is and that is who god is god is perfect unity three in one we know that the Holy Spirit is who we are indwelled with, speaks to us, guides us, chides us, tells us when we're wrong, encourages us. But he does not speak his own words. He speaks the words of Jesus Christ, who is always operating in the will and submitting to the will of God the Father, who does not let Jesus Christ, in his, leaves him in his lower state, but exalts him and brings him up. And we see the perfect harmony, the perfect unity of the Holy Trinity. And what we see here is that we need to not only see this through modern times where we are, yes, we are celebrating the death, sacrifice, resurrection, ascension of Jesus Christ where he offered his body, and that's what the bread signifies and the spilt blood, which is the wine, but also that we are one, and we are at a time when the whole family of God comes together. So it goes on, it says, but I say to you, I will not drink this fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So there it is. He is proclaiming that there is a future coming. 
and we are all going to sit around the Lord's table at the Lord's, at the uh, wedding of the Lamb, and we will be unified forever. And that is not only are we celebrating here atonement and victory over death and sin, but also perfect unity. And what we sometimes don't understand is that we allow our relationship with Jesus Christ to get almost, almost solely on a personal level to where that's my personal relationship, but that is not at all what this is. Yes, there is a personal element to your relationship with Jesus Christ, but there is also a family. There is also a church family. There is also a, you know, a, a church out there that we have to come together. And what's happened and what's been destructive to the mission of Jesus Christ is that we've all splintered off into our own little things and our own little missions and our own little styles and all that, and there's no unity anymore. And sometimes the Jesus that we're worshiping doesn't reflect the Jesus that other places are worshiping. Okay? And what we need to do is we need to concentrate on what the Bible teaches, the principles of the Bible, and we need to stand firmly on those and teach those and live those, okay? And let all the distractions, you know, just tune them out and let's concentrate on what we do here, and that is to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ, and we do it in love, service, and stewardship built on sacrifice, because that is who Jesus Christ is. So when we read about the Lord's Supper, yes, we're reading about where he is. He is telling him, I'm giving my body, I'm spilling my blood for you. But this is where all the church, God comes down, and they are all together. In fact, it talks about God dwelled in the tabernacle, and the cloud over covered the tabernacle of the meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of the meeting because the cloud rested above it. So, the, so Jesus, or God came down and he filled the tabernacle. In fact, in the tabernacle, in the Holy of Holies, there was the mercy seat on top of the Ark of the Covenant. And that was where God came down and dwelled. And God, who is in heaven, is not bound by time, space, or anything. And so when he comes down, we have a unity there that we have, and it's called communion. And when we take communion and when we have communion with God, there is a unity that exists there. And that unity is just not me and God. That unity is the whole church of God. And we all share that. And we have missed that out. And we have personalized it. We made it private. But we need to understand that at, when we celebrate the Eucharist, when we celebrate the Last Supper, we are doing it with the whole family of God. The whole realms of heaven. Hebrews says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Present. We are cleansed. Not just to get into heaven. That's, that's great. That's one of the greatest benefits is that we all go to heaven. But we are also called to serve here in our time on earth. And that is because that is our action to love, to forgive, and to glorify God through our serving. So there is the present. And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by the means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant. So there's the past. And those that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance, the future. And it's all there. God, Jesus Christ, makes everything unified, and he unifies it perfectly. Amen? He is the only one that could accept that job. 
And when we think about what Jesus Christ did on the cross, did he go to the cross to die for our sins? Absolutely. And did he do it? Yes. And if you call upon his name, will you be saved? Yes. Because God did not leave him in a submissive place, but glorified him and made his name the only name that you can be saved by. All right? And is that the end of the story? No. But what he also did is that he brought total unity to the world. And you may not see it now, but there is a world that is going to unify perfectly called New Jerusalem. And we're going to stay there forever and ever. And it is our job to work and to serve in our time here so that we can glorify God in our living and our serving. And we can take more with us up there. And there can be more unity because through unity comes love. And now we have this splintering and we have all this hatred-filled world. And I'm just telling you, it is destroying the mission of Jesus Christ. And the mission of Jesus Christ is to bring people together and to love and to serve. Are you going to have differences? Absolutely. Are some of them going to be hard to get over? Yes. But we are asked to love and we are asked to serve. And the whole theme sometimes gets blocked out of what Jesus Christ did. And he is the perfect unifier. He brings things back into unity that were separated by sin. And they were separated by sin at a way that only he could bring them back in. In fact, in the 17th chapter, Jesus actually prays for unity. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So the future church. This is Jesus in the upper room. It's called the upper room discourse. The 17th chapter, he prays for himself, prays for the disciples, and prays for the church. And this is in the part where he's praying for the church, the future church. He says, I don't pray just for my disciples, but also for those who are coming, that they may, what's that line say? That they all may be one, united for one cause, for one spirit, for one salvation. As you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you, were, that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one. So there's the idea of unity. And sometimes when we take communion, we miss that, that idea and that theological basis that Jesus Christ is the ultimate unifier. And in a world, and let me just say this, okay? In a world that seems dead set on being divided, I'm going to tell you that. Remember the lady that put Gorilla Glue in her hair? Anybody remember that? Man, that stuff is tough, right? I don't go to the ER anymore for stitches. You know what I do? I wouldn't advise this on most people. If you put a little slather of Gorilla Glue in there and then hold it together, it'll work. Now, it'll leave a lump in your skin for about four months, all right? And you may see fire for about 30 minutes, but it works. All right. Follow me for more health tips. <laughs> okay. But I'm telling you, there's nothing stronger in this world than the power of Jesus Christ's love. And I think that at a, and at a moment like this, where there's a lot, there is a lot of trust and a lot of um, belief in the power of 
weapons and all that stuff. I'm telling you, and I'm standing here today telling you, we need to pray for the people that are both, both countries. There's people being treated horribly, and they're in terrible situations. They're at the, you know, they're at the, just at the will of powerful men. Okay, and they get caught up in it. And aren't you, aren't you thankful you live in America right now? Huh? Wow. I mean, there's people devastated, not, not even in their country anymore. Don't know where to go. Don't have a home. Okay? But I'll tell you this. Our Savior lived that life too. Okay? He was a refugee as well. So he knows. He knows. Just when you think Jesus doesn't believe and doesn't know, he knows. But I'm telling you, at this, at this point, the most powerful thing in the world is the power of the love of Jesus Christ. And sometimes we shush that, push it off. But I'm telling you that if we truly believe that, we will change the world, a revolution. And I'll finish with this. For where there are two or three gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of you. He's the unifier. He's there. He's the glue that holds it all together. He gets all glory, all praise, teaching them to deserve all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of age. He's there with us. So I think that I'm going to have you stand this morning. I think sometimes we get caught up into the divisions and into the all the noise out there, and sometimes we either plug into it or we just pull away from it and unplug. But I'm, I'm, I'm telling you that the power of the love of Jesus Christ is revolutionary. It set the world upside down. And I think that after all these years, sometimes we forget how powerful his love is. And sometimes we look to other methods and to other outlets for power. And I'm telling you that Jesus Christ is the most powerful force on this earth. His love. And if we just are motivated by that and fueled by that, I'm telling you we could change this community and the communities that we live in. So as we, as we go into Easter here, yes, we have to concentrate on the sacrifice that Jesus Christ did for each and every one of us. But we also have to look at it through the lens that he is the only one who can bring things together. He wraps us in something more powerful than death, and that is love. Thank you for tuning in to Star Church's sermon. We truly hope that the sermon edified you today and brought you closer to the Lord. For more information about Star Church, visit our website at stargbchurch.com. Once again, that's stargbchurch.com. If you would like to visit our church, our address is 4925 State Road, 142 North, El Dorado, Illinois, 62930. We now pray that God will bless you as you enter the mission field and bring his word to the world. And as always, we will see you next time here at Star Church. Thank you.